on, Ben. You you take it away. I shall. Welcome to the Long Drive Home podcast with Alpha Tea Party. Myself, Ben. We've got Tom here today, and we've got a very special guest. We've got Yvette Young from the band Covers. Hello, Yvette. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you guys? I mean, good as in like you know surviving the global pandemic. All right. Uh, yeah. Know, as good as I <laughs> yeah. can be. Yeah, we're doing all right. We're uh, you know bored shitless, which is why we've got loads of these podcasts flying out in the minute. So, um, so I suppose, um, so yeah, I guess you're vaguely familiar with the premise of what the podcast is. We talk about our worst ever gigs, and it's like therapy. Uh, mm. We are your we are your therapists in all but name, uh, as are the audience. And that listen, so just yeah, we're just going to talk about whatever terrible gigs you've had why and then we'll either laugh cry or you know console whatever we need to do but uh, the funnier the better or the more terrifying the better whatever you feel like sharing this is your forum oh, and we will uh, we will gladly oblige um i should add there's there's no rules necessarily i mean it's not a game it's a it's a conversation but uh, <laughs> if uh, you know, if you don't want to name names and you don't have to name names, it's not about casting shame on people necessarily. Uh, but, you know, if someone's really wronged you in the process of a gig scenario and you feel like they need some kind of internet-based retribution, then this is a platform in which you can do that. That's uh, that's my token addition to the introduction. The very slick introduction that Ben just did there, which we never normally do. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to ramp it, ramp it up. We've got, you know, we've got internet royalty with us, so we, do, we need to, we need to show some kind of professionalism. But it's, we've got, we've got to show professionalism. We've got to show sl- a slick, slick really production classy. quality here. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I'm trying. Yeah, awesome. Um, cool. All right then, Yvette. Do you want to, do you want to start with, with take a, take us through a show that that's significantly bad to you? <laughs> well, it's bad for multiple reasons. We got we I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like we have gigs that are bad because we all just suck or like gigs that are bad because there's a technical difficulty and gigs that are bad because just the vibe is very weird or like something insane happens. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we've had the whole shebang <laughs> in terms of bad gigs. I think most of our bad ones actually happened when we did our first U.S. tour just because we're so green and we were playing like really, really small venues. Um, One notable one was, um, I guess, I think it was the Nile Theater in Arizona. Uh, We were in a basement sort of thing. Like, okay, so we had like a nicer venue booked and then I think it didn't sell enough because we were um we were on another bit we were on tour with another band that that uh I think they were um I guess like I think something happened where like another band was playing at a different venue and right. the draw got messed up. So we were playing this we got downgraded to this like basement sort of deal. Oh. And then um the sound in there was really horrible. There's like no sound person. So we kind of just had to fend for ourselves, which is fine. I'm used to playing like DIY house shows. Um, But for some reason, I guess my bass player said that his, his tone just sounded like farts the whole time. And so he was just like, (laughs) he he was like doing like crazy moves because he likes to, 
be like a little rock and roller sometimes. And uh, he was feeling, he said he was feeling very confident and very good until he walked out into the crowd and heard like what his bass actually sounded like. Right. And um, yeah, he said that at that moment he felt like his confidence just drained from him. Oh. And uh, oh. yeah, and then I, we were playing to like five people. I remember <laughs> like the five people were kind of just like awkwardly like bobbing their heads in this weird dungeon like basement with like fart based sounds. And then I was stuck. There was no room because it was so small. So I was stuck behind this concrete pole. And oh, I remember oh. just like barely have, cause like there were three, we were the first of three bands. So we, you know, all their gear was set up on stage already. And I kind of had to maneuver my way around like two kits and like, like a couple oh. of boards. And I was like stationed in a really weird, awkward way next to this pole. And I remember just completely beefing the end of one of my songs where I'm like alone, you know, it's like the whole band drops out and then I have a riff. <laughs> I've done and then that. I just, Oh yeah. I beefed it. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Like I'm not on a click. I'm not with drums right now. I, I can have another go at it. I'll just play it again. <laughs> nope. Brilliant. I, I still got it wrong. And I was like, all right, third time's the charm. Nope. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I literally played this ending shittily by myself for like five tries and I didn't even get it right. I was just, I just dropped out. I was like, I, I think I said like, oh, you guys get it. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, I, I really like the expression, I'm beefing it. Uh, I've, I've not heard that one before. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. I totally, totally understand or know that feeling very well, especially when it's a bit where you're just playing on your own. That's the yeah. worst thing. And you can kind of build it up psychologically a little bit as you lead into that moment as well. And go, oh, it's that moment, that bit's coming where it's just me and I'm going to play it real good. I'm going to really oh, smash yeah. it. I'm going to stand there. And everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, that bit, that's good, that. <laughs> and the amount of times that I've done it and gone, oh, fuck, I've absolutely mullered that one. Uh, yeah. So I you feel you. Short memory. You. Yeah, definitely. I was, um, was going to interject because you talked about being downgraded a venue and that's happened to us. And that happened to us quite recently and for um, quite a hilarious reason, really. Uh, that uh, We were playing in Cork in Ireland and the promoter had messaged us. He was a, he's a very nice man, uh, but mm-hmm. he messaged us maybe a week or two before the gig was due to happen. It was saying like- that, oh, the venue have realised that Ed Sheeran is playing an enormous stadium gig in town and you don't sound anything like Ed Sheeran, so you're not allowed to play at the venue. What? Yeah. So um, we, we, the venue changed pretty quickly. It was it was I about think... two days before the show as well. Actually, was it two days? It was really close. We were already on the tour when it when we got the message. <laughs> I'd black that out of my head. You guys should uh, just do an Ed Sheeran cover set. Hey, I get compared to Ed Sheeran in a physical sense on a near daily basis. So, um, <laughs> you know, well. maybe maybe there's wheels in it. I don't know. We should, we I have should no, try. I have it. no idea what Ed Sheeran looks like. I'm gonna look him up right after this interview. Like this guy, <laughs> right <the> here. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, I mean that that sounds like um. I mean, I I sort of like I like the image of of your your bass player just kind of like being super enthusiastic and then and then sort of almost having having the veil lifted and realizing that his tone's really bad, and yeah. and that sort of him sort of. 
did he sort of like scuttle back to stage like a sort of dog with a tail between his legs or something like that? Yeah, I knew something was up because he's usually the most animated one of us. And he went out there and was like interacting with the five slightly <laughs> the amused five. people in the crowd. <laughs> and uh, then he just kind of sauntered back to stage and just stood there. And I was like, that's weird. Mm, All right. <laughs> Buzzkill. Something about Arizona, actually, like we've had, I love Arizona. Like I love playing, what do we play that? The Revel Lounge? I don't know. Have you guys come to the US before? No, no, we haven't to be honest. I'd love to, but. Uh, that, oh my God, we should, we should do a thing. I know like every band says that, bro, we should tour. Like That bro. was covered on our last <laughs> podcast as well, actually, to be fair. When you're just like, you know, especially when you meet someone and you're drunk and you're like, hey, let's, let's do a tour. Yeah, definitely. But we should, because oh. that, that'd be great. We we I'm yeah down. we well, that way it would be great. We have a bit of an issue with the band name in America with the Tea Party connotations, so uh, we might need to abbreviate the name, Tom. But you know, well, I don't know. I mean, I think I think we've been going long enough now for it not to be a problem anymore. Good, then yeah. ignore what not I said. To, That's um, fine. Not to um, not to change the topic, but do you guys ever get like like men's right activists like like yeah like we do. Page, like yeah alpha males like. <laughs> We, it's we the get... alpha male and it's the tea party and uh if you get drunk at like 2 a.m on a saturday night like i frequently do when vanity search your own band name what tends to happen is you come up in a lot of uh pro trump posts on twitter oh, yeah it's pretty wow. cool um, that's pretty funny yeah it's it's a bit of a weird one like and we got followed by um yeah this was quite a while ago now probably like four or five years ago maybe even more than that we got followed by like a, a carry and conceal kind of gun group on Twitter because of, yeah, because of the, the tea party thing for whatever reason, because of that, I don't really understand what the tea party thing is about, but it's somewhat to do with the independence thing and American stuff. Right. Um, and uh, this guy, I just decided, I think I had, a, I had a bit more confidence in me than I normally do when I'm on the internet. So I decided to like start, start a beef with this gun group. And uh, that, I mean, thankfully, it was only online and none of them actually came at me with their weapons drawn. That's good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those guys love their guns. They really love their guns and they don't like people <laughs> saying that guns aren't cool. So, you know, I learned a thing there anyway. I don't, yeah. don't want to freak you out, but um, it's uh, I, I have one, but it's it's a fake one. Oh, it's like, that's uh, quite, quite, <laughs> quite, quite nice. Looks like it could do some serious damage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those rubber band guns. It's like a prop, but oh. I don't know. Oh. It's just I think it's funny that I just have this by my bedside. <laughs> have you ever to had deter to... any unwanted intruders? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, what what were you saying about Arizona? By the way, I feel like we got sidetracked very quickly from that point somehow. Oh right, okay. Arizona's like awesome. Like I I personally love Arizona. It's like a little slice of culture that I don't get to like experience here in California. Um so I guess before I tell this next awful show story, I just want to say like number one Arizona is awesome for thrifting because <laughs> you find like we, we every time we go there we try to go to like a bunch of the thrift stores and don't, uh, charity shops awesome. i think you guys yeah, call yeah. them that yes because um, yeah. you can find like the funniest shirts like you get, you get the shirts where it's like someone's like someone got married or someone had a baby and it's like a portrait of like them awkwardly like holding the baby oh, so like good. on the Amazing. shirt 
And then yeah. it's like Comic Sans and like Jokerman font. Like yeah. I, I love it. Like <laughs> I live <laughs> nice for soft things focus like that. Around it. Yeah, oh, um, I love that. And and also every when we go there, one time we went to this like really bizarre sex shop that looked like a bit like a gun shop. Like right. it was just like decorated like one. But we went inside and there's this thing called the wall of shame. And it's like <laughs> it's like uh <laughs> it's like everyone who shoplifted from the sex store <laughs> and they had their photo taken with the object they attempted to shoplift and a description of how they they attempted to shoplift the item. So it's like um is it's like it's like uh you know, uh, Monica, no offense to anyone named Monica, Monica <laughs> attempted to uh, smuggle six bottles of lube in her butthole, you know? So, and it's like a picture of her, like just looking really ashamed. That's <laughs> like, like one of the most like sad, but amusing walls. I've I mean, seen. I guess. So, if- yeah, Arizona is cool. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any. If there's any kind of and, shop in the world that could get away with something like that, it would have to be like a dirty sex shop, really, wouldn't it? You know, like you, you oh, probably yeah. wouldn't see that in a supermarket or or summer. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just extra funny because it's like you look at the people on the wall and you look at what they look like, and they just look like your mailman or something. And <laughs> it says like Kevin shoved a whip down his pants. Like wow, oh, it goes to show you you really can't judge a book by its cover. Like no. you know exactly. So, um, but anyways, back to shows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just had to share that. It's like such a strange shop. Um, so Rebel Lounge, I love the staff there. They're really sweet. Um, they're so sweet, actually. Like I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes you you play a show, but then you end up just feeling like you made friends with everyone who works there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least I do. But maybe it's because I'm very lonely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we played this show there. And David, like I joked with David, my bass player. I was like, you should say... That we're gonna, you should tell everyone that we're gonna play the perfect set. Oh, I remember why um, I said that. It was because we were playing with this band that's like pretty arrogant, and then you know <laughs> have like kind of like a rock and roll attitude. So I was just like, we should just out arrogant them. We right. should just say like we're gonna play the perfect set, and we laughed about it. And David was like, no, I'm really gonna do it. And I'm just like, please, please don't, like please. <laughs> and then so we go on stage, and of course he says, hey guys. What, what you guys are about to witness is the perfect set. And then I was just like, and then, and then one, two, three, four, we start the count off and I'm playing and I'm playing and I hear him play like a sour note. And then he like laughs at me because he was trying to jinx it. Right? right. But like, he's like, okay, I'm automatically just going to play the wrong note to get it out of the way. And then I experience, I start experiencing, um, this weird thing where my stage, my, my stage volume just decreases. Like it, it gradually, um, kind of decrescendos. And oh. in my head, I'm like, okay, it's not like a bad patch cable because then it would just cut. So while I'm playing my, my stupid complicated riffs that I don't know why. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, it's a powering issue. It's a powering issue. There are so many points of error in my pedal board. Like I'm running out of two power supplies, I'm plugged into this like strip that's plugged into like another strip that's plugged into like a fridge and then plugged into like a wall. Like I don't, (laughs) like I don't know where 
where this point of error could be. So my volume dies and I'm like pissed off looking and I'm looking at my bass player and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't have sound. It's like really quiet. And then, you know, we, I stop a song, we, we swap cables and then I get sound again and everyone's like, yay. And the same thing happens. And then, you know, after a certain point, this is actually kind of cool. I unplugged from my board and I just plug directly into my amp and yes. I just play the whole thing super dry, no compression, no effects, like the most like dry, exposed set I've ever played. But I thought I did all right. Like actually did okay. Um oh, and then meanwhile, while my power was dying, I forgot to mention that my bass player was trying to rock out. He's just a little rocker. Uh, he was trying to rock out extra hard just to compensate for me, like losing all of my swag because I'm trying to troubleshoot <laughs> where the powering issue is. And he like headbangs and hits himself in the head with his headstock and just oh. starts bleeding. Oh, so oh. I have no volume. He's bleeding. <laughs> it's just, it's not good. <laughs> but perfect set then. Perfect set. Yeah. You know what? What is perfect? Perfect is in like, like flawless. I don't think so, but perfect can also be memorable. And I think <laughs> in that res- regard, it was the perfect set. That um, does sound like the perfect set. That's yeah. That's just a, 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 a multitude of things conspiring against you. And you just yeah. got a laugh. You just got a laugh through that. Else you'd oh, cry yeah. yourself it was also to sleep. Hot as balls. So all of us are just like <laughs> dripping sweat. Oh. Just panicked and bleeding, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, God. that's that's one hell of a show. But I, a I couple of things. Like I, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go, go for it. Go for it. I was like dripping sweat, panicked, and bleeding. Sounds like every Saw movie, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> Trapped in some. It did. So there's a couple of things I've, I've picked up from that, but I really enjoyed. The first is the. Um, the phrase sour for a bad note, a sour note. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I oh, love yeah. that. I'm going to use that. Um, I'm going to use that a lot more. I, I, used, to, I used to have a, a client in the studio who was a big, big Geordie fella who used to say, oh, that's sour, that one. I can't do a Geordie accent. <laughs> do you know uh, Newcastle accent? I love I can't that. do it, but that, he, um, yeah, he, and the ba- he used to do that. The uh, the bass player rocking out extra hard. I I can empathise with that. A very old band of mine years ago. The guitarist tore the sciatic nerve in his back. Uh, <gasps> I can't Martin? remember. I can't remember how he did it. It was Martin, yeah, yeah. but it was oh in a band God. previous to Falls with him. And basically, he we carried on doing this gig. There was only three of us, so we had a drummer sat down. He was sat down playing his guitar with his pedal board on a table in front of him. Just he'd play, he'd play a chord, like punch a pedal to do the next bit. So I'm the only one stood up and uh, I couldn't walk for three days afterwards because I just overdid it. Wow. So I can empathize with him on that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worth, it, worth it for the 11 people in Winsford, Cheshire. They were so impressed. They were just like, wow. Wow, I've never witnessed anything like that. (laughs) I can imagine Cheshire folk to be quite amazed because it's like a bit of a proper city, right? Like it's kind of like posh. Uh, Cheshire is particularly there's certain parts which are particularly posh that part of Cheshire isn't but there are some very oh, okay. it's where all the expensive uh, football players live and, mm. and isn't, have isn't there a show property. isn't there a show called Real Housewives of Cheshire or something that's right yes. there is yeah. a friend of mine used to work on that <laughs> Wait, uh, what ob- about obviously... 
Uh, yeah, a friend, friend of ours, uh, uh, Matt Dawson, if you're listening. I know he listened to this, actually, so he'll like he'll like this shout-out. Um, yeah, he, he used to be like a runner on that show, so he'd like go around to all the kind of footballers' wives' houses and kind of, I don't know, go into um, Alderley Edge to go and buy them some quinoa or whatever they wanted. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm having quinoa for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bad, that's you see, a bad you're, thing. You're from it? California. Not, yeah. And yeah. these are from Cheshire. There's a bit of a difference. Gotcha. Yeah. A I, don't, I don't know whether it would have been quinoa. Though. It probably would have been like like a big lump of meat or something, knowing like <laughs> British people. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I had something I wanted to say, but it's gone now, so never mind. I, I, I definitely... Oh, again? Well, yeah, sure. No, oh, no, no, go on, go on, go on. I'll do no, no, it's fine. I, I, I definitely talk far too much on this podcast. So um, the only thing I was going to say is... I have definitely had to do the same thing with pedalboard dying, plugging straight into the amp thing. Uh, the first time I ever had to do it was when my pedalboard died completely and someone shouted, boring, at <laughs> us. Uh, what a dick. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, that was well, my you first know, you know game. You should have done is just go punch him in the teeth and be like, "How is that for boring?" <laughs> I haven't got that confidence. That was my first gig with the band as well. Mm. So I was like, "Oh, this is this is great." <laughs> yeah, I did, we have we have mentioned that before on the podcast actually, but it's still a relevant wow. story to to this. So it's kind of it's quite a um, it's quite a liberating feeling though. Sometimes just plugging straight into your amp and just turning it up. Because I, I had to do the same thing at another gig in London where my pedal board died mm-hmm. completely. And it was the gig it was the gig where we were sort of showcasing to our record label for the first time. And mm. uh, I managed to accidentally change. I've got like a stupid board with like MIDI on it and stuff. And I managed to like change a pedal so that it stopped sending the MIDI signal to elsewhere on a board. So none of my other pedals would change. So I couldn't get any of my distortion sounds or anything like that. So what I ended up doing was just turning my amps up as loud as I could go. So they were just dirty all the time. And it was kind of fun. It was just, it was completely uncontrolled and mental, but it kind of worked in a way. And they signed us. So, hey. Oh, the, the maxed out amp, like just max crunch, max, like, like, like not a lot of clarity probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that That's sometimes. Fun, I sometimes it? purposely do that just because I, I prefer... I don't know how it sounds with, with um, I don't know, some sections of songs, but mm. yeah, rock and roll. I mean, it's like, you're like, this is what you get. Like, I'm not hiding behind anything. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. Give me one second. Yeah, no worries. Okay. I'm doing an interview, Dad. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. You sorry, can cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about the differences in uh, bad gigs in the US compared to bad gigs anywhere else. And I'm, I'm saying that because last weekend I rewatched the Car Bomb documentary, Why You Do This. Um, mm-hmm. which, I love this guy. I, well, I, I mean, great band, but that documentary is pretty grim and harrowing. And But it's is the it? most like, oh, it's it's years ago. You, you talk, I think, with, I'm probably wrong in saying it's about 10, maybe 15 years ago. But it's, wow. um, it's basically... It just shows you all their pretty bad gigs. They play with like Gajira and stuff and it gets loads better. But they play some really horrible shows. One in particular, they play, um, I have no idea where in America, but they uh, they play like a metal outdoor sort of structure 
that's like there's no like sides to it, like a not like a metal gazebo to like uh-huh. ten kids. But the support act is has this uh, backing track on an iPod taped to the back of a porcelain dog. And he's just screaming over this and you watch it and then you just look at the rest of the band and they're just like, just downtrodden. And they've traveled for like 10, 15 hours to get to this gig and it's just <laughs> absolutely horrendous. And I just wondered, is that, have you experienced like, you know, these really long, the difference between playing, say like the UK where there's only like four or five hours between cities, if that, and the US where, you know, it could be upwards of 15, 20 hour drives and what the difference is in those, like in the bad gigs between the two sort of countries, if you get what I mean. Yeah, the drive definitely makes it like much more, I don't know, the stakes are a bit higher. I think just like, I don't know, any gig really, like where you have to travel a bunch and then, you know, it just might not even be worth it. Like, mm. I don't know, you just have to, do you have gigs where it's like, it's obviously like a dud or a loss, like, you know, that you're not really gonna, other than like, well, I like to call it band practice gigs where it's just like, all right, there's like two people here. I mean, we don't really get gigs like this anymore, but I just remember like when we were starting out, like I was like, okay, this is a band practice gig. We can just try out all of our new tricks. If you want to do any weird pedal tricks that you don't normally do try them today because like it doesn't matter I mean it does matter people I think like anyone who paid for a show like obviously they deserve like the best show um but you know you can for for band practice gigs if if it doesn't go well you can easily just like get revenge the next day and and have like a better show so I think it's it's for for me how I stay positive about it all is like all right we didn't win this one but like you know we have like 12 more shows to try to get that perfect gig where we all bleed and are feeling bad publicly yeah Um, that's what you're striving for um but definitely we've had a show where okay we had like van issues for our first tour as well where we were just leaking transmission fluid. So we had to stop by like two repair shops on the way because the first person fixed it, but then they forgot to put the cap on it or they screwed it on loose. So it came loose again. So we had to go to another shop along the way um, to get it fixed. And we were trying to make it to North Carolina. Um, And I think it was like a pretty arduous drive that day. My bass player took a bunch of like ADD meds and like just like drove like, there was no tomorrow and we like we risked getting pulled over for speeding but we were just determined to not miss the show because we've never missed a show before um and we ended up making it like 12 minutes or something like after our set time so we just sat it out but it felt like kind of like oh we did all this work and we hustled just for nothing because we couldn't even play the show but but that being said, I did get to do laundry that night because my cousin lives in North Carolina and it was pretty nice. sweet. Every, I just had a chill night where I uh, cloud, actually cleaned, cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> Vital, didn't play the show, Vital but we clean socks. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, experiences like that, though, just not to get all cheesy and sentimental, but it just makes me appreciate what, you know, when things do go well so much more. Cause I know that like, it's kind of like getting hazed. Like touring is like joining a terrible frat where you just get 
like shit haze out of you for like the first like year <laughs> and then you know, if you're lucky you'll, you'll make it like through the hazing and then you'll start you know you'll have a more pleasant time playing shows and you know you get to a point where you have like crew and people carrying things yeah. for you you know we're um, not I, I still like carrying on my own shit I just feel better about like setting it up by myself and mm. Also, it's kind of the cool flex. Like, yeah, I'm like holding this AC30 all by myself. I'm so strong. <laughs> <laughs> and they are but, uh, fucking heavy. Those yeah, days, you know, you get to a point where you get a you get a big bus. You just get to like, you know, do a lot of blow in the back and just play video games. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> and roll. Um, I mean, Bye. we've never experienced a big bus as of yet seems unlikely we will but um i've heard heard good things about touring in a bus we sh- uh, i did one in the uk with um polyphia and oh yeah yeah it was it was interesting it was <laughs> it was it was nice sleeping but like i felt like i would just crawl in like after playing a like a gig i would just saunter onto the bus like step over people's like dirty socks and shit and just like crawl into my coffin. Like that's what it kind of felt like. <laughs> oh, felt like a coffin when I was getting to every night. And then I would just like, it's nice getting sleep, but also like you don't know what time it is because it's so dark. There's no windows. And then you hear everything going on. Like every night they would stay up late and like drink and party. They're like really like fun dudes. But like, holy shit, I would hear all kinds of like weird conversations and like, <laughs> farting and like uh <laughs> like right by the door so i hear everything <laughs> oh yeah i mean you're um, touring with a bunch of dudes that's kind of that will happen all the farting yeah i'm more yeah. of a like i don't mind driving and i don't mind um i kind of like it actually like maybe not drive i'm a night driver i don't like driving during the day because i get anxious that i could just like murder everyone with my trailer um, <laughs> I, I let the boys handle that but i'm a night driver because no one's on the road so there's less chance for vehicular manslaughter to occur um, very and, yeah. interesting angle. <laughs> and yeah you get to like blast music you like and then like at the end of the night we usually get a hotel and that's where some of the fun can happen um where, you know, like you can hang out with the other band at the hotel. One time we got like this big Airbnb house with oh, um, cool. the, the other bands and we had like a barbecue. Oh, like, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. of course, you know, a jam session happened. I kind of hate that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, like some dude took out his like SG and then like someone brought out like a, like a cajon or some shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sounds like my worst nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> what was that? Uh, cajons. I, I can't abide by them. No, we're a band of cajon, <laughs> very much of, of cajon haters. This band. <laughs> it's, um, it's funny. I was playing a clinic in France, and there was the, the, the store there had a wall of cajons, and I was just really? like, every drummer is like cringy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just burn it. Just use it for bonfire wood. Wow, brilliant. <laughs> I guess it's funny in France, like they have quite a big like folk music scene. So I, I guess it's semi-legitimate in France. Like I've been, I've been to like provincial towns in France, and there's been like teenagers blasting like traditional folk with like accordions and things like that. And I've been like, this is a strange picture. Like I'm used to kind of teenagers blasting like drum and bass or something out of their crap little cars, but these like cultured teenage yeah. French kids were just listening to accordion music. I was kind of impressed. 
But anyway, that's I mean, definitely an aside. I'd be I'd be proud of my kids. They had that much culture. I yeah. know when I was a kid, I was probably listening to like I don't know, like Lincoln Park or something. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. As as was I as a teenager. My uh, I've got a two year old uh, who yeah. is at the minute obsessed with just one David Bowie song, which is Rebel Yell. Uh, not Rebel, <laughs> Rebel Rebel. That's Billy. That's Billy. Rebel. Yeah, um, someone else. Uh, yeah, but Rebel Rebel, but once Rebel Rebel consistently and uh, with wow. every 10 minutes throughout the course of a 12-hour day, I'm with her. So I'm starting to learn. I'd like to hear your two-year-old daughter try and say Rebel Rebel. It's very I've, cute. I imagine it a two-year-old saying that would be cute. Yeah. What I might do is I might send you a video, Tom, and then you can put in a little clip of us saying it at the end of the podcast. Oh, all right, that'd be that cool. Be, a little bonus, really bonus audio. Exactly. Um, uh, moving on from my uh, hilarious two-year-old daughter, uh, <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have any more um, any more terrible gigs to to uh, bring to the group, if you will? Oh, oh yeah. Trust yes. me. I've got them locked and loaded. All right. Um, yeah. So sometimes terrible gigs aren't even the DIY ones. Like we played Webster Hall. I don't know if you guys know that venue, but it's like the grand ballroom. It's the big, it's the biggest room. Like, I don't know the mm. cap. I think it's like two. Oh, I don't want to misspeak and then have someone get angry at me. Um, it's just it's pick just a pretty number. Fun. It's fun. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this gig was really bizarre because I had a photo shoot thing before. Like, you know how like day of the gig, sometimes like there's like press things scheduled and yeah, yeah. it's just kind of a clusterfuck. So it was one of those days where, um okay so i uh oh i hope this person doesn't listen to this episode but i was trying to use the bathroom so another pro tip about prog gigs and like metal gigs and like just math rock gigs is if you're looking for if the green room is full the um the next best option is the girls bathroom because you know that like gonna be any girls there. <laughs> so that I, seems I always if I don't want to be stuck in you know like a room with sweaty dudes like you know just doing dude shit I go into <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I, guess, and I just hang out there because it's like quite nice it smells good um <laughs> so I was like heading to the bathroom to just get my stuff right before the photo shoot and this guy pops out and he was like oh my god it's really you it's you're real and then he like pushes me against the wall and like sobbing and like patting me down and I'm like so startled at this point um I I like start crying because I just like I think I was also really tired so I just didn't have the emotional energy to deal with someone like like suddenly pushing me to fall, like patting me down. So, wow. so then, long story short, I ran. I was just like, haha, yeah, it's me. And then I like ran and then I, I uh, went to the photo shoot and I had to have my photo taken immediately because we were running late. Um, so, in these photos, I have tears in my eyes. Oh. I don't know if I can dig up this photo. I'm laughing now because I think in retrospect, it's kind of funny that there's just like press, press photos of me crying. Um, wow. But, yeah, it was it was weird. And then we played the gig and then 
So we walk on stage and we're, we start our first note. So we have specific instructions to the lighting person and that's no reds, no greens and no strobing because I need to see my hands. And when you yep. strobe, it throws me off. I, I don't want to mm. feel like I'm in a demented haunted house. Like I want to be <laughs> able to do what I'm playing. Hey, so yo, I'm on stage and immediately like, first thing he does is just complete stage blackout. So I'm playing in pitch dark. Like we start the first bar and then it just like lights off. And then we're like kind of confused. And then it turns on again. And then it just like starts strobing. And I'm just like, Oh no. Like, and so, um, I look to, I'm trying to get the attention of like the, the monitoring guy or like the lighting guy. I think he was doing both jobs that day. And, uh, I don't know if, you know, when you play complicated stuff, it's hard to find a moment to like mm. step away from your fretboard and like mm. really get someone's attention. So I'm like trying to like use my, I like, I don't know what the, what the, the, um, the frustration equivalent of smizing is like, you know, when you smile with your eyes, I was <laughs> screaming with my eyes. I was screaming <laughs> for, for freaking help because I couldn't see anything I was doing. And then I look at the guy and he's just on his phone. Like, and then he's like, I kid you not, he's like eating a sandwich on his phone and then I'm just like I have to play the whole set with this like horrible club strobe lighting and then I think my bass player couldn't hear himself at all I think his monitor was turned off so we were both trying to get his attention and he just didn't oh, yeah no. that was the gig I cried and the the thing everyone was unattentive and just eating a sandwich during our set which is fine maybe he was hungry wow <laughs> that's I mean where do you start with that? That's, that's, <laughs> that um crazed fan. I mean, I assume it was a fan. I mean, yeah, it's just um, it's kind of weird. Like, and I, I sort of, you know, I understand that people get quite can get quite obsessive with these things. You know, they get quite into uh, artists and and creative people and stuff. But to sort of not have that like personal or social boundary to know that that isn't kind of cool the the guys presumably never met you before and and just immediately makes physical contact with you it's, yeah it's it's really fucking not on at all like no that's not... pretty twisted yeah and you I know can... he probably he probably did it with the best of intentions or whatever thinking that he was kind of you know like being uh I don't know what he thought was going through his head, but you know, he probably he didn't mean any harm or anything. I presume, but still, it's just like not to understand that that's like crossing a a line with someone, especially if they've never met you or whatever, and don't have that. You don't have that right, like straight off the bat, do you? Fucking weird. Yeah, I think what happens is is they just like when you see someone on the internet for a long time. I think it kind of you kind of forget that they're a person. Mm. I mean. At least this is when I try to like empathize with why someone would feel like that, you know. I think maybe you stop viewing people like actual people and then you view them as like public figures. So mm. when you see them, it kind of like makes you I don't know, you like freak out and maybe you don't think like you're not thinking in the moment and you get excited and then you like touch the person. And normally I'm okay with like, you know, like if someone wants a hug. Or if someone wants to like shake hands, or if someone wants a high mm. five, or you know, yeah, yeah just yeah. I do like I'll physical conduct is fine, but I think it was just 
the way he like charged at me, like that alarmed me because I was just like trying to go get a photo taken. And he was just like, I know he meant well. Um, I know he meant well. So it's not like I, I hate this person, but I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you just got to sort of understand, like know your audience, as I suppose the, the young internet kids say these days. Like know, know you know, the surroundings. Like you are a man and you are in a corridor alone with a woman and you're going to charge at her and like push her against the wall. It's like, uh, you know, I think you should think those things through in your head first. I know if I ever see anyone I really, really like, and this has only happened once or twice in my life where I've seen people I've been genuinely starstruck. One of them was a British comedian called Johnny Vegas, which Tom will know. Um, I just sort of, I just went really into my shell and I'm quite an extrovert. I was like, oh, I'm not going to speak to him because he might not, he might hate me forever. But yeah. I can't, but I suppose that, best approach, that, right? that outward reaction is, um, is bizarre. Weird. And um, I can't, something I, I can't, I can't empathize with that. I can't, I, I would never do that. I can't, yeah, it's very why you would. Um, going over to uh, disinterested lighting slash sound guys, <laughs> I wonder because we've had this before with, with lighting engineers where it's often in, in kind of venues of a certain size, like the lighting is definitely an afterthought. So the person that's sort of more or less in charge of it is just kind of like multitasking, sort of doing whatever. And they probably, if they're not a very experienced lighting engineer, they'll probably will do something like put strobe on for 40% of the set because, oh, it looks impressive. Um, but sometimes I wonder whether like if you put something in your like tech rider that says we don't want any of these things, sometimes I think that, the dickheads among that section of society take that as a challenge rather than as an instruction. Cause we've a hundred percent had that before where I've been like, can you just, whatever you do with lighting, just make sure that there's a decent amount of front light so I can fucking see what I'm doing. Cause if I can't see wow. what I'm doing, I'm going to have a bad gig. I'm going to play lots of bum notes and I'm going to yes. get home, go home in my car and feel really sad about my life choices. <laughs> give me some fucking lights so I can see. Anyway. And do you know what is? Do you know what sounds really lame is when you have to stop after a song and go down to the microphone to the entire audience and go, yeah. "Hello, Mr. Lighting Man, can you fuck off with the strobes?" That's yeah. so lame when you hear someone say that because I'll remember that next time no, I inevitably do it. Then, yeah, and that's whenever we've done it, it's like, oh, this sounds really lame, but. Please stop like frazzling my mind and my fingers, please. And that like it's interesting how you say that they take it as a challenge, like like they're you're like you're telling them how to do their job or something. Cause like imagine if like any other industry worked like that. Imagine if it was like a restaurant and you're like, listen, whatever you do, do not put onions in my food. I know this comes with onions, but please don't put onions in my food because I will have an allergic reaction. Yeah. I will go to my car and I will go into anaphylactic shock and I will die. So <laughs> whatever you do, no onions. And imagine if they're like, no onions, don't tell me how to cook my meal. <laughs> anyway, like you're just trying to like do your freaking job and you're just trying to give them, like if anything, you're helping them do their job because exactly. like you're telling them the exact thing you need to have the best show ever. 
yeah. to have the perfect set. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's like we had our um, our front house guy, uh, Ben Murray, was on a couple of episodes ago. And he said, like, because sound engineers tend, can get quite a bad rap. Uh, and he was like, we just want we just want you to have a great gig. We were trying to help you to have a great gig. Yeah. And he's speaking as, you know, part of, you know, the good sound engineers who want everyone to be happy and to have a great gig. Uh, and and I'm sure there are lighting engineers who do want everyone to have a great gig, but there's yeah. others who are there because, again, they made terrible life choices and maybe they lost their job at the um, CEX, which is a shop in the UK that sells second-hand which, which, PS4 which games. You seem to have a, some kind of animosity towards because you've made reference to... CEX a couple of times. I've had, I've had terrible experiences. I, it's the kind of place where you take all DVDs in and they'll give you money for them. Only every time I've been in, they've looked at me like I've come and shit into the, directly into their eye sockets. Oh, well, there's a backstory. There. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, this is, hang on, I thought this was part of your job. Like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, so I, you know, bit of a thing. I'm sure um, the next time I go into one of those shops, I'm going to be turned away at the door. Um, Oh, oh so can I? Sorry, one more thing about no, cranky lighting engineers. Um, it's just reminded me there was that we we played we played a gig in Brighton, and again it was like a guy he was the sound engineer, but he was doing lights as well, and he sort of quite boldly exclaimed kind of before the show that he was really proud of the fact that he used the lights to put bands off. So he 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 said that there was a band that were playing. I can't remember what they were called. They were a fairly bigish band at the time. Um, yeah. And he said fish. that you know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, fish. Yeah, from <laughs> from Marillion. Um, and he was just sort of going, yeah, yeah. Well, I made them make mistakes and stuff with the lights, and I was like, do not do that to me. And do you know what he did? He fucking did it to me. And I started the very first song of that gig, two frets, uh, like two frets higher than I should have done. Oh, you did, couldn't, yeah. I remember couldn't that. Couldn't see. Oh, but, but two frets, at least it could be in key still. It's not like a half step. It was like it made it sort of go quite sort of bitonal. And oh, it, was, okay. it, was, it wasn't It was nice. It didn't work. It was, okay. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and, and, and it was filmed. And do you know the guys at Feckin' Bahamas? Yeah, they're they, awesome. So, um, uh, yes, they are. They, yes, they are. They're lovely, yeah. And and but they wanted to run an article on bands making mistakes, and they asked me if if they could include this. And um, I'm so sort of cut up on the inside about how bad that sounded at the time that I refused them. I said, no, I don't really want you talking about it because I feel really uh, like self-conscious about the amount of mistakes I make live. And in particular, oh. that mistake. And it was all because <laughs> of that stupid fucking light- lighting engineer who thought it'd be funny to fuck with me. Fuck you, buddy. Is he that bored? <laughs> like, also, he should go get, like, seen by, like, a psychiatrist or something. Yeah. <laughs> statistic, like... What's next? Fucking with bands with lighting and then like 
torturing animals or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The next logical step, I think. It's the, yeah, the trajectory is pretty, it's pretty clear from yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, he's here right now, but like, give it a week and he's going to be like, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if I cut the legs off this dog just so, just to make it go? <laughs> I think that is exactly how that works. I think there's a yeah. Netflix documentary all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's called yeah. Legless Dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. I, am, I think we've, we've got time for one more. Uh, one more dreadful gig. If, you, if you'd like to share, you, could, you don't have to uh, throw any more in if you feel like you've, <laughs> you've shared enough. Oh, I, I have actually one more that I think is, is memorable. It's an, it involves me like not crying, but wanting to cry, but being like, I gotta, gotta just suck it up. Um, so it was in Toronto. No, it was in Vancouver. And there's this, I forgot the name of the street, but it's like infamous for just having a huge like meth addict population. Mm -hmm. Um, literally the venue we played at in the back alley, it's just, you, you gotta wear thick shoes because the the floor is paved with used, um, needles, um, uh, hair, sorry, meth and heroin addicts there. Um, so it's like everyone's heroin needles, like littering the, the floor behind the venue. And, um, I remember I was walking around, uh, I went to go visit my friend who works at this like skate clothing shop there. And I was on my way back to the venue and, uh, I get greeted by this guy and he's like, Yvette. And you know, have you ever been like, someone sees you and they say your name and then they like yeah. give you a, they like make a gesture, like you're going to hug, but you have not the slightest clue who this person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of do that weird dance where you're like, you, hey. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, like, <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. You know what I mean? Like just bullshit. And I did that. And then, you know, I went in for the hug just out of good faith. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm hugging this like, like stalker person. Like this is a guy who, uh, I mean, I don't want to be weird here, but like, I don't want to say too much, but I guess like this person was like violent at one of my shows once and then like kind of like scary. And, uh, I just, I, I don't, I, he's on my shit list. Like, I don't want to see this person, but he got a haircut. Also, he's from Europe. So I, I didn't, I didn't expect him to be in Vancouver. So I just, my brain was like, who is this random person? Yeah, oh shit! Cool. It's like my violent stalker who got a haircut, and I'm hugging him. Fuck. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm like, I have a little bit of like a panic attack, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit! I gotta be on stage in like five minutes. So I'm like, hey, uh, I'll see you later. I just pretend to like not know, you know, not react. I'm just like, see you later, haha. And I like go on stage, um, and. As soon as, so the venue works so that you can't really stand by the stage before you play. You have to stand outside and wait in the weird heroin alley. Right. So, um, meanwhile, I'm like trying to, you know, collect myself and maintain composure. And then there's this, uh, there's this guy literally shooting up and this is really bleak and sad, but he actually dies. Like he, he, I, I watched a person die right before my set and I just remember I'm like this is gonna be the we like I still have to go play like I 
I think it, it feels like wrong of me to play after I see that, you know what I mean? Cause it's like so dismissive and so like flippant, but I'm just like, okay, you're here to do a job. Just have, just completely forget everything that you just experienced. So I went on stage and I played a set and I just remember like, it was so weird having to just turn off my emotions right before I go on. But if, I've, I've had many gigs where it's just like, you cannot bring you know, your shit off stage to the show. It's like, you're at work, you're on stage, you're doing your thing. You got to just, you know, not let anything bad show. And then afterwards you can deal with it. So that was a bad gig in that, like, just it's like I had every possible form of trauma, like right before going on. And yeah, it was, it was bad. I, I, I watched the guy being, you know, um, the, the ambulance coming and then like paramedics and shit, but then I had to go on stage. So I didn't see what happened. Fucking hell! Yeah, that sorry, I, I didn't mean to end this podcast on like the heaviest. <laughs> or just cut it. I'm there. Say the right yeah, the save the maddest one for the last. Wow. I'm I'm gonna yeah. go out on a limb here and say that that's probably the most harrowing story that we've had on the podcast so far. I mean, so most of the, it, most of the stories have, have been about you know drunk idiots that you know have said things or not getting to the gig on time. That's a bit more. Extreme. That's, yeah, that's really wow. That's so, messed how, up. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. did you? How did you manage to kind of motivate yourself from that point to to be able to stand up and 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 play a show, having witnessed what you'd witnessed? Um, I, I my band jokingly calls me um Yvette Bot because right. uh i have this weird ability where i can just switch into robot mode and i can just get through anything um just be an emo- i'm very emotional like you know i i feel things i'm very sentimental if i have a drink i will probably hold your face and tell you that you don't know your own worth and you're so special and you know like <laughs> just be extra like affectionate and emotional um but i can also just choose to turn that off and it serves me quite well in a lot of scenarios mm. um I mean, I could go see, I could psychoanalyze myself and I could probably trace this to like my childhood somewhere (laughs) having to like live a double life, but, um, I won't, I'll spare my, the listeners of this podcast. Um, I, yeah, I think I just do the thing where I just like focus on just the music. Music is so wonderful. Okay. This is a way to like rest. Just, I just killed the vibe and I'm going to attempt to resuscitate it. It's like a great, Uh, (laughs) so music is awesome because there's so many times where I feel like I'm in like such a shitty headspace and I just like I'm very depressed and um something about just plugging into guitar and just playing a little bit and like like really hearing the music that you're playing and letting it transport you it's just really um therapeutic I guess like Mm. so there's plenty of gigs where I you know had something really bad had a meltdown right before uh my set and I just really try to channel that energy into like putting on a really emotional show mm. and then pretty soon like halfway through my set I forget that anything bad even happened yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah I don't know if you guys have had that where it's like oh shit like I'm not feeling great but um I play I play a show or I even like try to write a song at home and I feel better afterwards yeah I mean definitely I mean I think one of the things that is great about playing shows is in that moment, however long it is, half hour, 40 minutes, an hour or whatever, what what happens is everything uh, everything that exists outside of that 
time frame is uh is just put on hold it's like it's like pressing the pause button on your life for for that time frame of that gig like i don't think i've ever stood on stage during a gig and worried about you know like whether i can afford to pay my rent or something that month or worried about a spat that i've had with a friend or or anything like that you know like when you're in that gig zone it doesn't really seem to matter what kind of traumas are necessarily happening around you you can usually just kind of zone in on what the performance is about and take yourself away from those kind of exterior things so I definitely understand what you're saying there like uh it's kind of one of the beautiful beautifully therapeutic things like you say about about playing music is is the way that you can kind of um detach yourself emotionally in quite an abstract Mm -hmm. way but reconnect yourself emotionally to something else which is less it's oh i'm getting all philosophical now you're getting know. about no, like, <laughs> you're getting like 3 a.m drunk at art tangent uh, about music. <laughs> right uh, but you know the, the abstract yeah. element of music is very wonderful because you can communicate emotion in a way that isn't as direct as having a conversation or writing it down on a piece of paper there's oh. m- there's m- it's more tactile in that way um yeah, that's my thoughts on the matter. I think that's uh, that's that's a lovely point to end on. Really, we've gone from the bleakest to possibly the most uplifting part Hooray. of the podcast I think we've ever had. And uh, and Yvette, thank you so much for sharing those experiences with us. This has been really really interesting. Um, Absolutely, it's you... um, it's kind of sorry. Oh. Go on, I spoke over you. The Zoom thing makes it quite difficult for. Oh yeah, no no worries. I was going to say it's kind of interesting just like mentally revisiting these moments, you know, in my touring life. And I just really realized that like, you know, it's uh it's a whole spectrum, isn't it? Like going mm. and touring playing shows, you can have some of the most beautiful experiences of your life. Like I've definitely had. I've made like really cool connections with people and I've uh, you know, I feel like I used to be quite timid and touring really brought me out of my shell a bit and uh, made me a more socially versatile person. Also made me a lot more open-minded to like different types of people and different things. Um, So that's like some beautiful things that have happened, but also, you know, on the other hand, you can like literally watch a dude die and like, you know, have to play a set afterwards. So I think it just, it, I know this is really cheesy to say, but it like balances you out and it humbles you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, the, uh, it's the circle of life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please use that as like the outro music, Elton John's. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I will do. I'll stick that in there. I might, I might get a copyright complaint though, but we'll see. <laughs> You Beautiful. can do it with like a kazoo and like sing it yourself. <laughs> um, before before we let you go, over, are you have you got have you got anything coming up? Any tours or oh well, uh, no one's touring after the global fucking, pandemic. What a fucking stupid yeah. question. Um, uh, well, I've sort of answered answer my own question. Then. No Great. is the answer. <laughs> uh, are you working on any any new material or anything like that? How about that? That's a better question. Um, yeah, we, we just finished recording an album. It was supposed awesome. to, it's going to come out still. We're supposed to do a headliner on it, but that kind of went out the window. It's okay. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to release this music because it's our first full length ever. Awesome. And I, I think it's going to be out June 5th, but we're dropping a couple of singles before that. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so listeners of the podcast, look out for that because it will be great. 
It certainly will. Thank you ever so much for coming on and uh, and listeners will see you soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Nice one. Thank you so much, Yvette. Thank you for that. Absolutely. That yeah. Good. I felt like I just went on a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs>